0: Back to the Bins proudly presents, I've Got a Few Things to Say About Superman. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of I've Got a Few Things to Say About Superman. My name is Scott Gardner, or Snark McGill if you prefer. Um, As I say, welcome. Welcome back if you've been here from the beginning or listened to prior episodes. If this is your first episode, thank you very much for downloading. I thoroughly hope you enjoy what you're about to hear. Well, I want to start right off with uh, email. You know, I put out the call last episode for some emails. The email bin was empty and you guys did not disappoint. I did get some emails. so I want to start right in with those and the first one is from my old friend, Bibliomike, that is Mike Petit. He goes by Bibliomike on the uh, ForumForGeeks.com, our official forum. By the way, if you go to that forum, we do now have a uh, an official thread there for this show, and uh, please feel free to uh, stop by there and leave your comments and thoughts on the show. But I still want feedback to be sent through the actual Gmail, so please send feedback to that. But also. You know, if you want more uh, immediate interaction with your fellow listeners and uh, you know everybody else that's on uh, the Two True Freaks uh, forum and the, does the actual shows and that sort of thing, then uh, you definitely go to the forum. We have a, a very, very awesome community over there, so please drop by and uh, and leave your thoughts there as well. And I'll, I'll be touching briefly on uh, the goings-on on the forum right now because uh, some interesting things have come up. Anyway, getting back to this, uh, the first one here is from Biblio Mike, and he writes, Things to say about Superman. He says, Hey Scott, I just finished listening to episode four of Things to say about Superman. I thoroughly enjoyed your recap and review of this epic three-part Superman story and would encourage you to cover more quote-unquote milestone stories like it in future episodes. You might, uh, you might consider notable first appearances of villains, supporting characters, superpowers, and so on. Stories with notable character growth. And I think you made a fine case that uh, Silver Age storytelling standards notwithstanding this return to Krypton story really did grow Superman's character. Or especially dramatic events, for example, Supergirl's arrival on Earth. All right, I'm going to step out of the, the email for just a moment. Um, I'd be interested in that sort of thing that... Kind of the idea here, though, is, is to kind of go, you know, I'm going to be jumping all over the place. I, I think I've said that before, but to kind of go with, with things that are relevant to me specifically, you know, basically like my favorite stories or stories that jump out to me, that sort of thing. But there's also going to be a certain amount of um, what you're asking for here. The, the thing I'm thinking about more than likely I'm going to do is the very next project um, it's more the idea of the project that appeals to me rather than identifying personally with specific stories. Uh, some of them I do and some of them I don't. I don't I'm don't. i not really ready to, to say yet what that project is, so this will make more sense later on, I think. But uh, yeah, there are so many other Superman shows out there right now. So many of them are covering specific eras and going in a specific order that a lot of that stuff will be addressed. You'll actually see the growth Of Superman and the legend of Superman over time that I don't know that I would necessarily add anything to that. I I really like this idea of just kind of jumping around to stories that that mean something to me personally. That was kind of the idea, and that's kind of what I want to stick with. But I do still like your idea. It's going to be a matter of being able to identify those stories, I guess, if I actually hit upon one that adds something to the mythos or that sort of thing. The story I'm going to be covering today kind of, sort of falls into that category, I think, but you guys will have to judge for yourself on that. Again, this will make more sense in a little while. Uh, continuing with the email, Mike says, This is the best solo podcast I've heard you do. Well, <laughs> thank you. I've only done a couple of them, so but thank you. Uh, he says, I like how you are willing to share your emotions about the character, not just your analysis. As the email you read in episode 3 stated, it is, alas, all too common to find that Superman isn't quote-unquote cool, even with comic book fans these days. Uh, Everyone seems all about the Batman, the Iron Man, the X-Men. I've got nothing against any of those characters, or excuse me, any of those heroes, but they owe it all to Superman. And it's great to hear you giving the Man of Steel his due on this new show. Well, I completely agree. That's my sentiments exactly, you know. Sure, I I love tons of other comic book characters besides Superman, but he is the man, you know? He's the best, he's the first, he's where everything else spun out of, and uh, I've long held that everybody else basically originates from Superman. Everybody else spins out of Superman. So, you know, while there are undeniably other awesome characters and other awesome comics, eventually everything ties back to him, so... I go straight to Superman. You know, he's he's the number one in my book. So, yeah, I share the same sentiments. He says, you asked us to weigh in on a possible Superboy podcast. Well, I'm personally not as excited about that idea. I'm sure I'd give it a listen uh, if you were at the mic. (laughs) Again, (laughs) flattery will get you everywhere. Um, I'm going to address this idea of a Superboy podcast again um, a little bit later on. Mike continues, the comic book database is right in this instance. This story does not appear in The Greatest Superman Stories Ever Told, Volume 1. That volume does, however, include the three-part Death of Superman story, as well as a story that anticipates Superman 2 by several decades by featuring three renegade Kryptonian villains, both of which might make good choices for you to cover it uh, also occurs to me that this podcast might make a good home for the much delayed phantom zone podcast and mike it's like you're reading my mind buddy there's a footnote in the issue that i'm going to cover today that references an old issue of superman and i looked it up to see if i have said issue i do and on the cover It says that one of the stories reprinted in the issue is this three-part Death of Superman story that you mentioned. And I got to thinking, not only is that a great episode, but I'm going to talk to my buddies uh, Mike Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor and see if they wouldn't mind doing a little bit of synergistic crossover type of thing. They're about to hit the Death of Superman storyline for the From Crisis to Crisis era Superman And I think it would be really interesting for somebody, and why not have it be me, cover the classic death of Superman story, or maybe deaths of Superman. Because another storyline that uh, I'd really like to get to sometime relatively soon is one of my favorite stories where Superman contracted Virus X and basically was going to die. I love that story. I love that story a whole lot. And I had planned to cover it much further down the road, but now this is really just occurring to me. That might be interesting to cover, depending on, see, I'm not sure how many episodes it's going to take them to cover the death of Superman, so I might see if I, you know, about doing some sort of uh, team-up crossover thing with those guys, if if they wouldn't mind, and kind of cover, you know, older versions of the death of Superman, you know, classic stories. So... I'll I'll let you know how that works out. Uh, as far as the Phantom Zone thing, well, um that's very likely the next project I'm I'm going to tackle in this. However, it all depends on how that would work out with what I just talked about, the deaths of Superman because the Phantom Zone thing I'm envisioning would actually be, you know, a multi-episode uh you know, it involved multi-episode coverage, so we'll have to see about that. But that is definitely, definitely, definitely on my on my agenda, so to speak. And actually, Biblio Mike, that spins out of uh, uh, something that you had suggested way, way, way back when, when we were doing the Phantom Zone episode. You had mentioned the uh, tales. It's either tales of the Phantom Zone or tales from the Phantom Zone. I'm not sure, but it's a trade paperback about, you know, it's classic Phantom Zone stories. I picked that up not long ago and read it. And that was actually one of the major factors that inspired this show was I just as I read that, I was like, "God, some of these stories would be so cool to talk about in a podcast. And that was definitely one of the inspirations for me to want to do this. So at some point, originally, that was going to be the very next thing I was going to do after the episode that we cover today. Now, as I say, I'm not so sure, but it will be coming along. I will be covering Um, the stories that are in that trade and eventually i do want to cover the uh, four issue phantom zone miniseries from the 1980s because that is um, one of my all-time favorite comic book stories Uh, i used to call that my super my favorite superman story but then over the years i got to thinking you know superman's barely in that story so what does that say about superman you know in, in my opinion of him it seemingly it doesn't speak very highly so um i have since relegated it to just being one of my favorite comic book stories but it is truly an awesome awesome uh comic book story so i do eventually plan to cover that one as well uh mike wraps up by saying uh keep up the good work he signs and then he says p.s i like the new intro quite a lot well thank you thank you very much and he says and i commend your choice of shirley walker's animated series theme for your outro it really rivals William, uh, John Williams' theme for a supercharged piece of music to make you feel good about being a Superman fan, and I completely, completely agree with you. Thank you very much for writing in, Mike, and uh, I hope you will continue to, uh, to write in and leave me feedback and let me know what's up. And uh, <laughs> it just uh, it blows me away that you uh, predicted so much of, of where I was headed with this show. Next one up is... <laughs> this is from Steve Rogers, and the title of this one cracks me up. It it reads TTF colon BTTB PIG AFTTSAS. Or that is one long ass acronym, Scott. He says <laughs> that is basically the a- acronym for uh, Two True Freaks. Back to the Men presents. Uh, I've got a few things to say about Superman. So yeah, that's not an acronym that like rolls off the tongue. He says, "Hey Scott, just letting you know, I'm loving the Superman show so far. Thank you very much." Says a few things. Uh, I've got a few things to say. Sounds uh, kind of sounds like uh, something done on the sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond. Raymond uh, Ray's curmudgeonly father uh, Frank Peter Boyle fancied himself as wanting to write some sort of scatterbrain op-ed column to a local newspaper entitled, uh, I was just uh, I was just thinking not quite sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing that the name of the show reminded me of that but there you go, no I think that's very funny because uh, I, I used to really enjoy that show and uh, Peter Boyle's character on there was, was one of the things that made that show, he was absolutely hysterical on that so no, I, I think that's actually very funny <laughs> He says, you know, granted the black mercy, uh, in the, for the man who has everything is supposed to be the wearer's perfect, uh, vision, and therefore clearly things could blend together, but still realizing the events of Superman's return to Krypton was basically a back to the future S scenario, then, uh, that would be a kind of a, uh, a bit creepy for a much older Lila to marry a young kal uh, of course, this is overthinking it, but it is akin to the real world's Demi Moore, Ashton Kusher romance. Uh, well, no, I, I think in that story that you're referencing for the man who has everything, that's kind of Superman's basically seeing a what if t- story in his head of what if Krypton never exploded. So, oh, wait a minute. I see what you're saying. I see. Yeah, I never even thought about that. Yeah. So if she was as old as well, old enough to be a contemporary of jor and La... Okay, n- yeah, you know, I never even thought about that before. Wow, that it's never occurred to me. Yeah, she would be considerably older than Kal-El. Yeah, that's, you know, that's that's a flaw in that story, I get, Or I don't know about flaw, but that's an element of that story that I wonder if anybody but you has ever really thought about before. I've never heard that brought up by anybody else, and, and you literally just made me realize that so yeah yeah good on you for that one i never even occurred to me yeah she would have to be presumably what at least 20 years or, or so older than uh than Kalel. el yeah because i had always taken it where you know he had he had grown up on krypton and yeah yeah wow that, that blows my mind that i never thought about that before you are right you are absolutely right yeah she's uh she's definitely uh uh robbing the cradle in that story <laughs> uh he continues in this he says you know i kind of like the randomness aspect of, sh- of the show especially dealing with the uh, footloose and fancy free storytelling of everything pre-crisis oh sure you've had your uh, multiple parters and attempts were made at a continuing saga especially the bronze age but for the most part every story was a self contained uh, contained story that didn't always have to build upon what came before. I think the story we're going to see today is uh, is a perfect example of that. He continues, Granted, I do prefer modern storytelling, and that is probably more uh, indicative of whom the target audience was at the time. But it is great for uh, random look, look backs at a uh, single uh, issue or story without having to refresh yourself with uh, whatever means... I'm sorry, without having to refresh yourself with whatever means uh, the previous issue itself, wiki, uh, GCD, etc. To find out what is going on in that story. (laughs) I completely agree with you. Uh, That's one of the things I used to like about comics back then was that you could kind of, sometimes anyway, you could kind of drop into a story. And even if they were multi-part epics and everything, you know, a lot of people... I hear a lot of other shows and, and I've read some articles where people kind of rip on old comics and in the, in the fact that everything's recapped every single issue. But that's just the way the comics were back then where you could literally just drop right into a story. And yeah, it makes it kind of kind of annoying, I guess. If you're sitting down with a stack of old comics and you start reading through a storyline and every single issue that you get to recaps the last issue or the, or the story so far kind of thing, yeah, I can see where that's aggravating. But in a certain aspect, I still wish comics did that because it makes them accessible so that you're not just dropped into the middle of a story or a universe or whatever and not know what the hell is going on. I, you know, So in that aspect... I'll forgive comics that that old trope because I think it worked. It worked for me as a kid. You know, I, I was able to. I, I never really felt lost with comics as a kid. I, I felt like I could pretty much pick something up, and it might take me an issue or two, or you know, diverse issues uh, of a of a character of a series to figure out exactly what the deal was, who all the characters were, and what was going on, but. Not like to, I mean today, I'll pick up some random book at the comic shop or something and, and flip through it, and I can't tell what the hell's going on. It, it feels very, um, I'm not sure what the word would be. Very, uh, I'm I'm totally drawing a blank on the word I want to use. It, it's like being, uh, like it's like there's a click, you know, where where the this book is speaking its own language and and speaking to its own people. And if you're not already kind of in that world, then you're just kind of left out. And that's very much how I think a lot of comics feel these days. And, you know, one of these days I'd love to do an episode, uh, preferably say with like Mike Bailey and some other friends on kind of how would we think we would fix comics. I think Mike's actually proposed us doing a show like that. Um, and that's one of the things I would definitely try to, uh, to work on if, if, you know, if I was tasked with, you know, all right, Scott, fix comics, you know, make them make them as popular as they used to be again, you know, get kids to read comics. That would be one of the things is, is is to kind of make them not so insular, you know. So, uh, damn, I wish I could think of the word I want to use, but just that feeling of of there, there's this little secret group that that reads this stuff and knows what's going on. And you've kind of got to be in that group to to get it. I hate that I really you know that that's not the way to get things to sell and to get people to feel included and and comics to me should be something that you can just grab up off the rack and without too much effort or too much you know research or anything you can just dive right into it I I think that's one of the one of many factors that has led to the decline of comics in recent years but anyway I'm getting off track Steve wraps up by saying, Anyway, that's all I got for now. So far, I like what you've been doing. Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And lastly, but not leastly, uh, my buddy Andrew Leyland from the UK. And uh, if you are not listening to Andrew's show, you need to be listening to it. It is called Hey Kids Comics. It is freaking hysterical, and you really need to be listening to it and supporting that show. And his is entitled simply Superman with an exclamation point. I like that. He says, hi, Scott. This is many congratulations on the new podcasting endeavor. You asked for email, which I was uh, incredibly amused to hear you refer to as old fashioned. <laughs> the sci-fi of our past is here and it's already outdated. So here you go. <laughs> You're absolutely right. This <laughs> is firstly, excellent choice of story. I reread this. And the Superman in the 60s in conjunction with your show, and uh, it really is an excellent tale. What did surprise me was how quickly we as readers came to believe and care for the Lila and Kal-El at, uh, for, okay, I did read that, right? For the Lila and kal as a couple. I, I think he meant like for the romance between them. And this from the more, quote-unquote, simplistic 60s, where everything was goofy and silly, uh, so we are told from today's writers anyway. Another great story from this collection, also written by Jerry Siegel, is The Sweetheart Superman Forgot, which is quite bittersweet and well worth a reread if you want more romance in your Superman. I kind of vaguely remember this story. Is this the one where it's like, i think he loses his memory or something and he has like this whirlwind whirlwind romance with this girl but at the end of the story he something happens his memory comes back or something and and she's just kind of left to wonder what happened to him and he doesn't remember her at all something like is is, tell me write in and let me know if that's the story i'm i can only remember the barest of details but i think that's the one you're referring to um some other things I liked: the idea that Krypton was uh, has science fiction films really amused me for some reason. I also dug uh, Ken Kendall's name; it reminded me of a Ken doll. I wonder if he was married to Barbie, and he spells it B-A-R dash B-E-E. <laughs> that would be an interesting story. If uh, if those uh, tales of Candor stories had stuck around, that, that probably would have been revealed eventually. He says, "All in all, an excellent tale and a good choice. Your enthusiasm was contagious, and you did a good job of uh, with the telling of it." Well, thank you. You asked for opinions on the show. Personally, I like that you are quantum leaping through the stories, cherry picking some choice cuts for our enjoyment. And if you happen upon a Superboy story, then by all means, cover it. I wouldn't want this to be a Superboy podcast all the time. And selfishly, I don't want you overcommitting and not having time to do the show. Uh, uh, this next okay. This next word I'm I'm think must be a typo. I don't understand what it says. It says it's T H E S E S thesis. Uh, I have no idea. One-hour bursts are good fun <laughs> and hopefully a regular thing. Just between you and me, uh, I'm also tiring of the pick a series, start with issue one, work through chrono- uh, chronologically format that many shows do. Although, ironically, I have been asked to co host such a show. I'm nothing if not mercurial, <laughs> and this random approach works for me. I, I understand what you're saying, yeah, because there's so many of them now. It, it was, um, I think it was a very unique or. or um, I think it was a new thing like when, uh, say like when Mike and Jeff came up with the, uh, from crisis to crisis era stuff, I think that was basically a, a new idea, a new format at that time. But yeah, there are a lot of those shows now. And I actually had considered doing something like that, um, with Superboy And for many reasons, which, uh, some of which I'll touch on here in just a little bit, I, I've kind of changed my mind on that. Uh, Andrew continues, he says, of course, this is your show, and I'll probably listen anyway. I just wouldn't want it to go uh, the way of the late lamented Jonah Hex show you used to do. Oh, stop it. The Jonah Hex show isn't dead. It's just on ridiculously long hiatus, but it's not dead, I assure you. Since once again I'm going to throw out my request for who took the super out of Superman from Superman 296 through 299, and wish you all the best with life in general. Best wishes, your pal Andrew Leyland. Thank you, Andrew, very much. And uh, yes, I have fond memories of that story as well, although they are incredibly vague fond memories. So yeah, I would like to get to that one. It is definitely um, on the pile, so to speak, for me to uh, to get to eventually. And that wraps it up for emails this time. Lastly, I wanted to touch very briefly on um, the forum. As I mentioned, there is now an official thread on the forum. It is entitled Official. I've got a few things to say about Superman thread. You can find that at Forum for, uh, forum for Geeks, all one word, forumforgeeks.com. And take a look at that thread. And it came up in there. And I had heard this from my buddy, Michael Bailey, that there actually is going to be, if it's not already in existence, a Superboy podcast. And Steve Rogers writes on the forum, he says, by the way, are you aware of J. David Weeder's Superboy podcast? So just by the way, he phrases the question makes me think that that show must be in existence already. So for, for multiple reasons, um, I don't think I'm going to go ahead with doing an actual separate Superboy podcast. I, you know, there's a number of other reasons, but that's one of the biggest ones. Is that you know I'm I'm just not cool. I know that there's a zillion podcasts out there and and that sort of thing. But here's here's the deal, per, and I'm going to be just perfectly honest about this. Now, my buddy Josh uh, Bertoni, he he knows that uh, I, I've you know he knows that we're good friends. He knows that uh, I, I think very highly of him, and uh, I really want him to get back to his Marvel star Wars podcast, but originally before we became friends and I heard that somebody else was out there starting up a a podcast covering the Marvel star Wars uh, comic books. I got really pissed off about it because it was like, God damn it. That's mine. Because one of the origins of two true freaks, one of the the ideas when that was just in its formative stages was that was going to be something we were covering because nobody else was touching that material. Um, And now, you know, here comes this, this other upstart, you know, podcast is honing in on my, you know, and I got very defensive about that. (laughs) It probably sounds really crazy. And now here I am covering Superman when there's, you know, like umpteen other podcasts out there. So, but my point is I would never want to do that to somebody else. You know, if somebody else had carved out their niche uh, in the podcasting world, I'd never want to come along and, and hone it, you know, horn in on that. So. I But at the same rate, I want to cover some Superboy stuff, but a lot of it, too, is that I, you know, and I talked uh, with uh, Michael Bailey about this recently. I don't know if I would have the wherewithal and the the stick-to-itiveness to do Superboy from the very beginning, because, you know, a while back, and I hope Mike doesn't get pissed at me for saying this, but a while back, Mike had this idea that he was going to do an Incredible Hulk podcast, and one of the reasons as as i'm led to understand that that it never really materialized is that he quickly realized that it just he wanted to be authoritative he wanted to go from the beginning you know cover the hulk from from origin right on through but he realized that the material that he was actually the most passionate about was the peter david stuff which was years down the line from the origins and the earliest days of the hulk and he quickly realized that he just didn't think he had the, the stick to to wade through all that early stuff to get to the stuff that he really, really wanted to cover. I can identify with that. I can identify with that on a lot of levels. I, one, of the, one of the many, many, many factors why the Jonah Hex podcast stalled out was that there's material way down the line that I really, really want to get to. And while I don't feel like the early stuff is a slog or anything at the same rate. When you're really wanting to talk about something, but you know that it's literally years down the road, there's something about that that either either you can set your eyes on the prize and it and it inspires you to keep forging forward, or it becomes a deterrent. It's like, damn, I'm never going to get to what I really want to talk about. And for me, it's always the latter. So the stuff I'd really want to get to with Superboy would really be much, much closer to to where I came into Superboy uh as a reader, which was the, the Mike Grell era uh Legion of Superheroes stuff. So eventually I'd like to touch on some of that stuff, but again, will it be an an all inclusive, all authoritative, you know, read through every issue? I don't know, honestly, because for one thing, I don't own all the issues. I never have. I'd love to have a complete run of all that. So I just don't. So This kind of pick-and-choose, back-and-forth, jumping-all-over-the-timeline approach that I'm taking to this show actually works very well with both my scatterbrained memory, um, the holes in my collection, and just kind of the way I got into Superman, because I got into Superman as somebody that was just... I, I just grabbed issues wherever the hell I could get them, and never really, until, you know comic shops started to pop along and and i got old enough to where i could buy my own comics and start building collections and following books and having a pull list and all that sort of thing i always did just kind of read superman just all over the place from whatever sources i could pull it from that's kind of how i'd I'd like to go back you know it's almost a return to to my childhood with this sort of thing that's kind of the podcasting i'd like to do with this show So, while I will focus in from time to time on maybe specific storylines or a specific subject, like, say, the Phantom Zone, for the most part, I think I'm just going to jump all over the place. So, anyway, I hope that makes a certain amount of half-ass logic. (laughs) Um, Let me see, it seems like there was something else... Yeah, um, Josh Baker had a suggestion on here where, you know, I put out an idea about what would you like the show to look like or sound like, you know, what would you like the format to be? And he had an idea here. He says, okay, he says, I've been digging the show. Uh, I'm horribly lacking in my Superman knowledge. Therefore, this show is the shit for somebody like me who, you know, somebody like me who uh, doesn't really care to pick up overpriced, overhyped, and underperforming new issues. So thank you. He says, as far as suggestions on the show format, I think Back to the Bins having the uh, Two True Freaks formula is a great idea. Uh, This would be be the schedule I'd like to see. And he says, week one would be, I've got a few things to say about Superman. Week two would be uh, basically the Jonah Hex podcast, but plugged into the Back to the Bins Presents format. Week three would be the Superboy podcast that I talked about. And then week four would be uh, pretty much a traditional Back to the Bins episode. And then, of course, occasionally there would be a fifth week, and that could be um, an event book. And Mike and I have talked about a number of different event books, like uh, Superman vs. Wonder Woman. I know uh, Chris Honeywell and I kicked around the idea of Superman versus Muhammad Ali a while back, which, you know, a lot of people laugh about, but I think a lot of people laugh about that book because they've never actually read it. If you ever read it, that's a damn good book. Um, and then he just concludes by saying, just my two cents, (laughs) spend them however you like. I like this idea because he basically, uh, put down on paper, so to speak, what I've actually been thinking. I had this kind of idea in my head of, of this very, very, very close to this exact format right here. Um, the only one that's likely not going to happen would be that Superboy podcast. I think For me personally, even though the show is called, I've got a few things to say about Superman, you know... Superboy really is, you know, as it says on the cover of every issue, the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. So, I think I'd just rather lump all that stuff together. Because occasionally on this show, I probably will touch on stories that don't even have Superman in them. Like, say, maybe even some Supergirl stories. Because, you know, I'm not the biggest Supergirl fan in the world, but there's some really good stories that I wouldn't mind covering at some point. And hell, like I say, the Phantom Zone miniseries, Superman barely in that story. So, um... That was a very long-winded way of basically saying this show is probably going to just cover everything Superman I care to do, whether it's Superboy, Superman, or, you know, Supermonkey. It's all going to fall under this header. So what is that, you know, unfilled spot going to be? I have no idea. But... I do have at least a couple of Back to the Bins episode, you know, traditional Back to the Bins episode submissions that still have not aired, so I'd like to do that because I don't want those guys to feel slighted. I don't mean to slight them uh, in any means. Um, it's just... I, I just wanted to kind of get this show rolling before... um, I don't know, before there was a lapse or before, before anything else. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to kind of get my sea legs with this show before... I started playing with formats or playing with frequency of the show or anything like that. But I really like these ideas. I definitely want to get back to doing some traditional Back to the Bins episodes with Michael Bailey. We have a ball doing this show together. And the only reason we stopped doing it together is we just couldn't find the time to do it weekly. But we've both said you know, we've had, we could definitely find the time to do it at least monthly. So I think that would work great. And then the event stuff. Yeah, that would give us, hopefully give us the time, you know, in theory would give us the time to really pull out the stops and do epic coverage like we did way back when on uh, Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man. I'm still especially proud of that episode. I think that episode came out very well and it came out well because I really poured the time and attention into it that a book of that scope truly deserves, in my opinion. I'd like to do the same thing with some other, you know, epic event books and, uh, And I think that would be a great way to do it, you know, if if we only did them on fifth weeks. I mean, there's only, what, like four of those a year? So, you know, theoretically, again, that would give me plenty of time to uh, get my shit together and get that done. So, uh, lastly, there was a a post here by uh, Luke Giaconetti that he just said that, uh, basically said the same thing, that he would be okay with, uh, you know, I had posed the the question here about would everybody be okay if... Jonah Hex did come back and wasn't weekly and basically if I scaled the scope of the show back. Now anybody, I don't know, you know, if you guys have listened to that show, I liked the way it sounded. It it was it was becoming almost a uh, an audio drama. I'm very proud of those episodes. The only problem with them, they take a hell of a long time to produce, which was the number one factor why that show has not had an episode out in over a year. Is just the thought of having to do that again on some regular, you know, hopefully weekly, but on a weekly basis would just kill me right now. There's no way I could find the time to do it. So it's just kind of sat in limbo. So my question to the group on the forum was, if I brought that show back, basically scaled it way the hell back and made it pretty much kind of like this show where it's, you know, it's pretty bare bones. What would be, you know, would everybody be okay with that? And Luke was the first one on board saying, basically, yeah, works for me. You know, as long as we get more uh, Jonah Hex out of you, know that that works. So, if everybody else seems to feel that way, then maybe we'll see Jonah Hex uh, make a return that much sooner. Because I really am itching to get to that material. It's gonna kill me not to do it in a weekly format, but uh, you know what, monthly or or a couple of times a month whatever it's better than nothing which is what we're doing you know what i'm putting out right now so as i say as always write in let me know what you guys want to hear and i think that pretty much wraps me up on oh no i did have one other quick thing here um our inbox our gmail inbox is getting flooded inundated with spam and I mention this only to say this, if you have sent an email to us, and this goes for any Two True Freaks affiliated show, this is not just for Back to the Bins, but I just wanna throw it out here. If you've sent us an email and you have not heard your email read on the show, um, more than likely I deleted it, believe me, completely by accident, but I probably deleted it when I weed out all the friggin' spam that we get every every month. We're, I mean, you would not believe how much spam we're getting. So if that happened, I sincerely apologize. Please do not feel slighted and please feel free to resend the email because as I say, if you haven't heard it, it just means that it got lumped in with everything else that that looked like junk mail and got deleted. So please, again, don't feel insulted. Please feel free to resubmit. I do apologize, but we are just getting so much stuff that I'm giving everything a real quick glance and if it looks like junk and it's not from a name that I can readily identify, or has a subject that says something like Superman or Hey Scott or something like that, then it gets deleted. As a matter of fact, the one that I read for this episode from Steve Rogers with the with the acronym, the name of the show, almost got tagged as spam until I realized that you know it was from Steve. So that's that's what I'm talking about. Um, and I think that's it for right now. I am going to take a quick break to. Uh, get something to drink and uh try to get my voice back a little bit play a promo or two and then we will be right back for what i am itching to get to for coverage on this episode i think you're gonna like it so i'll be right back folks gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero Superman Superman. The Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman Golden Age Superman The Superman Fan Podcast Superman in the Bronze Age From Crisis to Crisis A Superman Podcast Superman Forever Radio The Superman Vidcast The World's Best Podcast The SFR Daily Planet And Radio Kale from SupermanHomePage.com As well as the audio dramas Superman, Last Son of Krypton And Supergirl, Last Daughter of Krypton From Pendant Audio Production Join hosts Michael Bradley John Wilson Billy Hogan Charlie Niemeyer Jeffrey Taylor Michael Bailey J. David Weeder, Kamen Stoll I'm Isaac I'm Adam Dave Eunice, and co-host Scotty V at supermanpodcastnetwork.com Okay, welcome back to I've Got a Few Things to Say About Superman. This time around, we are going all the way back to July 1969, where I was a mere infink, we are going to be looking at the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. This is Superboy number 158, entitled Superboy's Darkest Secret. I love this issue. Now, a bit of explanation on this one, actually a bit of a thank you, first of all to Devin Clancy who uh, you can hear the full story about this on the most recent episode of The Tales of the JSA, The Tales of the Justice Society of America, which I do with my friend Michael Bailey. I tell the uh, story of how I got my uh, most recent copy of this issue. But I'm going to back up and tell a bit more of the story. And for uh, for anything that repeats for those that have already listened to that episode, I do apologize. Um, But when I was a kid, from the ages of about 7 to about 18, I lived in uh, Carthage, New York, which is uh, upstate New York. And um, my parents worked in paper mills. They actually worked in two different paper mills, as well as uh, some of my extended family. And when everybody uh, heard and discovered, whatever, that uh, I was uh, into comic books, getting into comic books and collecting and reading comic books um very nicely everybody used to bring me boxes and boxes of comic books and uh you know because they were uh, at the paper mill intended to be uh i guess you would say recycled these days but you know back then it was just considered you know reusing the paper they would be pulped and made into you know toilet paper or paper towels whatever they were coverless comics so i had boxes and boxes of coverless comics brought and dumped off at the house all the time many of which to this very day i am still trying to replace copies of my old coverless comics with you know nice shiny covered copies this is one such book for many 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 years i have a well-worn well loved very yellowed very aged copy of this book and just recently i got a nice covered copy of it uh, from Devin clancy thanks to his very generous uh, contribution to uh the Tales of the Justice Society of America. So, the copy I'm looking at right now is my nice new copy with a, a cover on it. But this story has, uh, it's kind of an oddball story, I'll warn you right up front. Is it one of the greatest Superman stories ever told? Well, you guys can be the judge of that one. I like this story a hell of a lot, but I am more than willing to admit that it is largely for sentimental reasons because this is a story I just discovered, loved Doug as a kid, and I've always held you know, a, a dear place for me just as just a, a strange bit of Superman oddity. and I think you'll see why here shortly. Anyway, the cover on it, by the way, the original cover price, 15 cents. Doesn't that just kill you? The uh, cover to this is awesome because it's a uh, black starry uh, star field is the background on it i love the superboy logo this is that that curving superboy logo that uh, was around for so many years came back when they did new adventures of superboy so if you know the uh how the word superboy was on the cover of those issues that's the same kind of logo they're using here you've got superman arms akimbo standing over the letter u at the top and this is a superman dc national comics up at the top but the the main part of the cover it's just beautiful. It's a uh, Neil Adams cover, and we've got Superboy hovering in space, shocked expression on his face as he comes across a rocket containing his parents, his real Kryptonian parents. And Superboy is saying, They're alive, my real mother and father. And the title of the story is right there on the cover Superboy's Darkest Secret. Inside, again, this was back in the days where you would have kind of a a title opening splash page before the story actually started. That's exactly what we have here. So I never really missed not having a cover. As awesome as the cover is on this one, I never really missed not having a cover because you have this awesome title splash page. And again, it's very similar to the cover. This time, however, it is uh, penciled by Bob Brown inks by wally wood who you know i'm kind of hot and cold with wally wood but i love 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 the art in this issue it's one of the reasons i've always liked this story so much the art is fantastic story by frank robbins who i don't know much about but if i'm not mistaken i think he was that penciler who i've never ever liked who uh, i think he did artwork on say um oh what was that roy thomas series by marvel the invaders Pretty sure this is the same guy. I could be wrong. My memory's kind of faulty with these things sometimes, but I think that's the guy. I like this story a lot. If it is the same guy, never, ever liked Frank Robbins' artwork. So he's a much better writer than a than an artist, in my opinion. Anyway, got a nice title splash here. Again, pretty much the same thing as the cover, although Superboy has now switched positions. Again, he's looking at the rocket, Although this time the rocket containing you know, you see it has like this clear glass windshield on it, and inside we see the bar- bodies of Jor-El and Laura laying side by side, and everything, including their bodies, glowing green. And Superboy is thinking to himself, "But but, I can't touch them. They're surrounded by deadly kryptonite radiation." And the uh, narration here reads, The unbelievable has happened. jor and Lara, Superboy's true parents when he was a Kryptonian baby named Kal-El, found floating in outer space after 15 long silent years of aimless drifting following the devastating nuclear destruction of their planet Krypton. A cataclysmic blast that turned everything hurled out into space into deadly kryptonite, the only substance that can destroy Superboy how can uh how can he save his real parents and why didn't he these devastating heart-wrenching facts never before told are revealed for the first time and last time in superboy's darkest secret so (laughs) are you intrigued yet all right so we'll get into the story here so returning from patrol late one night to his cellar lab in smallville superboy routinely checks his automatic space transmission scanner And it's this big clunky, um, I'm not sure what era this is supposed to be, you know, of course this is published in 69, but is this supposed to be some flashback to an earlier story? I don't know. A lot of times with Superboy stories, one of the things that's always kind of made my head hurt is the fact that it doesn't really look like they're flashing back at all. So it looks like this story is actually taking place, you know, in contemporary times, you know, this being 1969 one of those oddball things you kind of got to overlook with superboy stories they're supposed to be flashback tales to superman's childhood but it doesn't really feel that way it doesn't really look that way anyway it's a very old clunky style computer great big screen on it. it's it got the real to reel tapes <laughs> your standard just big weird looking machine superboy's thinking what's this my recording monitor indicates reception of strange repetitive signals orig- originating deep in outer space it started the pickup over 2 hours ago another do any minute and Superboy goes to the machine and he hears calling Kal-El calling Kal-El and he thinks to himself that was my Kryptonian name on Krypton before but he's his thoughts are interrupted by another transmission that says these are your parents Jor-El and Lara next panel is great Superboy is both crying and sweating and he just has this alarmed look on his face. And he says, "The they're alive. I could never forget their voices, even though I was too young to understand them when we parted. But uh, why have they taken so long to, or is it some form of trap? And the message continues. We have waited this long before contacting you to ensure if you are still alive, you will be old enough to receive our transmission and understand our message. And Superboy is He's got his fists raised up to his chest and he's crying. He's so thankful. He says, they've answered my doubts as if they were reading my mind. So wise and understanding. And then the message goes all piss wacky and it says, but by the time you hear this, if you do, and then you get a bunch of spin, spitting and sparkling and crackling and everything the, the transmission goes all crazy and Superboy thinks to himself, darn, intergalactic static interference. Oh, I hate that. He says, can't make out another word. But I won't have any uh, trouble finding them. My automatic radio location uh, finder has already made a fix on the exact spot. And this panel, he's he's flipping a switch and there's this weird bubble screen he's looking at. And uh, I can't make heads or tails of what's supposed to be going on in this thing. But, you know, he's super boy. He's supposed to be super smart, super brain, all that sort of thing. So obviously he knows how his machine works. So he takes off through his super secret tunnel, or he's about to anyway, but then he hesitates and he turns back and he thinks to himself, how selfish can I get? Weak, half forgotten voices from the dim past, which may or may not be real. And promptly, I forget the two dearest people in my life on earth, Ma and Pa Ken. So he races upstairs and he breathlessly explains his dilemma to his adoptive parents. And he's asking his mother, What am I to do? Ma? Pa? I'm so torn. All you've done for me, the only two parents I've ever really known. And now, if I and Martha Kent, who's turned away from her son, but she's crying. She has tears running down her face. She says, it may be difficult at first year, but if they are your true parents. And then Pa Kent goes to the window, and he's got a tear running down his face. He doesn't want Superboy to see him crying either. And he looks so much like Ronald Reagan in this panel. It's it's ridiculous. And he says... We'd expect you to go to them, even though childless. We've had the benefit; they've been robbed of. So it sounds to me like he's—he's getting he's you, well, you can go if you want to, but you know you're leaving as childless. And it just cracks me up. He says, even though childless, we've had the benefit; they've been robbed of the wonderful experience of having you as our son for over 15 glorious years. We've been—we've uh, been more than sufficiently blessed. And so the very next panel is Superboy, and he's flying away from the house, and he's looking back. He says, had to leave without saying goodbye, or I'd have broken up. And inside, Martha Kent's crying. She says, do you think we'll ever see it again, Jonathan? So Superboy flies out into space. And this panel is great because we get a shot of Superboy flying. He's flying, like, towards a galaxy I guess it's it's like that big swirly looking thing at the end of the Empire Strikes Back I don't know if that was supposed to be like a nebula galaxy whatever the hell it's supposed to be Superboy's flying towards one and he's thinking to himself and there's also these separate head shots of him that that this is very much like would be done in Spider-Man comics I'm trying to think of who that artist was that I want to say Gil Kane or Ross Andrew that would do like the floaty heads of doom kind of thing Uh, floaty heads of judgment whatever you want to call them anyway he's flying away and he's thinking to himself that section of space is so remote even i have never explored it well you know he's only 15 year old and space is pretty big he thinks to himself have they been marooned on a dead planet all these lonely years what do they look like now Will they recognize me will i remember them how did they survive and each head you know each question is a different head it's a very dynamic uh, art style here and so spanning the uh many light years of galactic space in milliseconds, beaming in with a mini radio finder. Superboy suddenly comes across this uh, green glowy object off in the distance. He says that deadly looking green radiation ahead. Transmission is coming directly from its center. But if it's, and then he stops himself and he says, just what I was afraid of. I can feel it now. Mustn't get any closer. It's kryptonite radiation. And he uses his telescopic vision to zoom in on the object and he discovers they are my real mother and father alive but sleeping as in suspended animation but how did they communicate with me unless it was a pre-recorded transmission no it was a recorded transmission superboy not pre-recorded just ask uh, george carlin anyway programmed to broadcast 15 years later But I'll never know unless I bring them back to Earth and revive them. Yet I can't enter that lethal radiation zone or I'll be dead before I'm halfway back, poisoned by the only substance I'm vulnerable to, kryptonite. There's only one way. Got to enlist the aid of someone who's invulnerable to K's effects. Someone I can trust. Must have space intoxication. This drifting asteroid field seems to be closing in. I mean, there's a great panel of uh, Superboy suddenly realizing that all these rocks are coming in. uh, It's like they're being magnetically drawn to him. Next panel is awesome. It's uh, all the rocks at once are suddenly exploding. It's just a really nice outer space panel of all these explosions and they're rocking Superboy from behind. And he's thinking to himself, Nuclear blasts. They were dummy asteroids. This, uh, this was a space minefield focused on me. And the next panel, we see him hurtling toward the deadly uh, kryptonite radiation uh, that's emanating from his uh, parents' rocket. While hovering safely out of range of the atomic reactions, we get this weird looking spaceship and someone inside is thinking no power in the universe can resist the law of for every action. There is an equal and opposite reaction. Not even Superboy. I knew he wouldn't voluntarily dive into that deadly K radiation. Now, can I just stop here to say, I hate this thing with them abbreviating kryptonite with K. I can see, I'll, you know, it's all right when they say like green K or red K, but when they just take the word out entirely and just make it K, I hate that. I really do. I don't know why. I just do. He, the guy, continues. whoever this is, continues, he says, and while the nuclear explosion can't harm him, as shape charges, they've achieved their purpose. Ha ha! And we turn the page, and it's this freaky white haired dude, and he says, I've waited many years for this opportunity, but at last, my revenge is complete. Not only Joral uh, Jor- uh, Jor- uh, and his spouse, but their spawn, kal-el shall drift lifeless in space forever for what they did to me. Zonar, <laughs> their lineage dies here. Great panel of Superboy throwing his hands up in front of his face. As he's uh, hurtling towards the uh, kryptonite radiation, he says, It's all over, I'm as good as dead, weakening already, fell for the crudest trap ever schemed up, lured by rigged decoys. But then suddenly, just as he's about to bite it, there's this blur of supersonic energy that smashes into the hopeless boy of steel. Is this Zonar's coup de Grace? No! He, uh, he's snatched away by something that's carrying him along, and Superboy thinks to himself, like I was a helpless baby. Something or somebody? And then, uh, as if he had spoken the words, a voice uh, answers, ringing out inside his brain. And the, there's this guy <laughs> he's dressed very similar to how Jorel would dress in the comics. It's just his outfit is uh, largely uh, consisting of orange. And he says, definitely somebody, young Kal-El. I, Dr. Krylo, saved you from Zonar's foul ambush. And Superboy is saying, you're communicating with me telepathically. You use my Kryptonian name. Who are you? Why did you rescue me? And who is Zonar? And Dr. Krylo says, you feel strong enough to fly solo? Good. We both got uh, too brief a dose of K-radiation to poison us." And Superboy says, we? Then you're a survivor of Krypton too? And that's why you intervened? And Krylo, he hangs his head and he says, no. I helped set this trap for you, unwittingly. But worse than that, something I can never atone for. I killed your parents, Jorel and Lara. And Superboy says, you what? And he goes apeshit crazy. And he's got his hands around Dr. Krylo's neck and he's throttling at him. And he says, you killed my and i believed they died in krypton's final blow-up and dr krylo resigns himself to superboy's revenge and he just says go ahead avenge yourself i deserve it but superboy we know the kind of guy he's going to grow up to be and he throws dr krylo aside and he says i i can't the noble motives inculcated in me by the very same two great people you so ruthlessly destroyed prevent me now who says comics aren't educated? You know, educational, inculcate. Yeah, had to look that one up. <laughs> and Doctor Krylov says, "You misunderstand me. I too acted out of noble motives. I I killed them, to save them. Yes, they can still be saved, restored to life if we can penetrate that lethal K shield. See, there it is again with the K thing." And Superboy says, "You mean they're not fabricated decoys? They truly are, jor and Lara." And Dr. Nile, um, Dr. Krylo, rather, he nods and he says, Yes, just as I am Dr. Krylo, who, but a short time ago, at, was as they are now. And we get a really nice flashback scene flashing all the way back to the pre-blow-up days of the planet Krypton. And Dr. Krylo gives us kind of his origin story. And he says... I was one among too few in Krypton's Council of Science who believed Jor-El that day he passionately begged us to heed his warning of impending disaster. Okay. Seems to me that nobody believed Jor-El. But we're hearing here for the first time anyway that uh or you know sort of the first time that uh somebody did believe Jor-El. Now we got this also in the prior story that we looked at uh, the uh, superman's return to krypton but I, I love these little revelations of things that we you know we were never privy to before these these forgotten details whatever you want to call them and uh dr krylo continues by the way jor-el in this looks really really cool his uh uniform is quite different than uh, than uniforms we would see you know the one that i always in- identify with him is the one with the uh, the sun emblem on the chest here it's uh it's basically just an upside-down triangle. It's kind of reminiscent of Superman's S shield without really duplicating it. Um, and the the costume is uh, the color scheme is similar to the one with the with the sun emblem, but not exactly the same. It's it's just interesting that uh, we're getting a very different style of uh, Jor-El uniform here. Doctor Kryler continues. He says, imbued with his ardor to save something of, uh, of worth before our planet destroyed itself. I independently and in secret decided who the quote unquote worthy ones would be. And we get some nice shots of uh, robots putting together rocket ships. This my preparations completed on what later turned out to be the fatal day. I hurried to jor side. And here we see Dr. Krylo actually busting in on jor and Lara as they're about to put Kal-El into the rocket ship again. Um, we never got this scene before. And Krylo bursts in. And he says, You know my reputation, what advances in science I'm capable of. My plan for survival has much greater odds for succeeding. And he kind of trails off. And Jorel says, Then my fool plan, as all the other skeptics are calling it, to rocket my son Kal El to planet Earth, Dr. Krylo. But your quote unquote brilliant alternative to drain our veins, inject. Cry. Cry Locus? Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Cry and seal us into space coffins to be flung into the cosmos when our planet explodes, to drift aimlessly for eons, hoping somebody finds us and following your tape recorded instructions revivifies us. And you talk about odds? <laughs> it's a really great panel with Jorel. It says, No, Cryla, we cannot go with you. We gladly sacrifice ourselves so that our son is guaranteed a future. But. You did suggest an improvement we hadn't thought of. And Krylos says, oh, what is that? Jorel says, we'd hope to leave a last will and testament to our son, but a sheet of paper may not survive the entry heat into Earth's atmosphere. Wait, why not? I mean, they expect the the baby to survive, so if they're afraid a, a piece of paper wouldn't make it, then I don't know that I would trust that rocket with my infant son, but I'm just saying. He continues, he says, however we could record it on endless tape which uh you would take aboard your cryogenic capsule splice to uh spliced to your revival instruction that makes no sense whatsoever somebody didn't understand what the word spliced meant and programmed to automatically transmit when he's old enough to comprehend 15 years hence it's a pretty good prediction and krylo agrees he says it's little enough to astro but he's secretly thinking to himself but i have my own idea of how to use it so we get <laughs> we get Jorel using pretty much an earth style microphone and this would be a great panel to take and like photoshop have him like on stage as elvis or something like that it's just great with him holding this microphone and he's re- doing his recording he's saying calling kayla calling kayla we are your parents jorel and he's doing all the same thing that we heard earlier in the issue and There's a click shown in the panel, but it's hard to tell who it is that's doing the... Maybe it's supposed to be the click of him actually starting the recording. I'm not really sure. Anyway, Lara turns to Krylo and says, Wait, JorEl, please, Krylo, time is short. Grant us uh, this last privacy together. But the very next panel shows Krylo just stepped away like a couple of feet. He didn't actually leave, which is kind of what I'm thinking she intended i mean this is supposed to be their last moments alive together i think she's basically telling him you know leave us to our fate you know leave us to to each other but he doesn't he still stays right there and then at k-hour what what the hell is k-hour krypton hour kryptonite hour kablooey hour Uh, i don't know we see the rocket with uh, baby kalal lifting off maybe it's kalal hour and (laughs) charles says a perfect blast off laura our son goes to a new super life. <sighs> and Lara says, and we, uh, and we are still together, Joel, dear, as we shall be through eternity. And Krylo is thinking, I shall not separate you. That I guarantee. So Krylo continues his tale to Super Wayne, and he is now playing the part of narrator, and it says, as titanic convulsions herald the last moments of a dying planet, We see all this dust and debris and things are falling all around them. And this is it. This is the end of Krypton. Lara herself even says that. It is the end of Krypton. So, what do they do? Jarl goes to his writing desk and gets out his journal. And he says, I cannot trust everything to this tape. I must also record it in my journal. Hoping against hope that someday. Yeah. Okay. And there's a footnote. See, giant Superman issue number 193, page 66. Keep keep on me about this, folks. We're going to take a look at that story at some point. I've got to know how this journal survives the explosion, because that's what I'm assuming happens here. I think that's a, a pretty safe assumption. But I think that is a pretty oddball thing to do as your planet's about to frickin' blow up to sit down at your table and make one last journal entry. Anyway... That's pretty much it. And uh, Jor-El stands up and he says, Our final battle against death won. It is written. I have no idea what he's talking about. And Dr. Krylo says, A paltry gesture. The tape. You have the tape? And uh, Lara reaches down and grabs it. She says, Here, Krylo, on the desk. And we bid you goodbye. We surely will never meet again. And Krylo pulls out some sort of Krypton space blaster. Shoots them both in the back. Says goodbye, worthy ones. We shall meet again. I promise you. And the narration continues, and we see Krylo placing Jarl and Lara into rocket ships. And he says the killing was painless, clinical, and sudden. After replacing their blood with crylockis, and installing their own tapes in the transmitter compartment, and he it shows him sealing the rockets up, and then. There's a great, great, awesome, I love this shit, where Krypton is falling to bits. We see giant skyscrapers snapping in half. They're falling all over. There's clouds of dust. There's, I don't know, it looks like rain in the sky. Everything is falling apart, and we see these giant, classic, clunky robots are picking up two rocket ships and putting them on top of these, like, gantry things. It says seconds after they were sealed in, my robots, acting on programmed orders, did the same for me. So they killed him. They killed him. They drained his blood. You know, there was a lot of time to do a lot of shit. I always assumed that as soon as they sent uh, Kal El off into space, that pretty much that was it. The planet blew up. They have tons of time. Anyway, this is when <laughs> Krypton does blow up. Both rockets are hurled off into space. And Krylar says, then as predicted by our wise savant, jor (laughs) the fulminating, fulminating rather, corrosive doomsday blast came. Fortunately, we three felt nothing, knew nothing, observed nothing. Shielded by internal lining of lead, we were protected from the deadly kryptonite radiation. But not until later did I discover we had been hurled in different directions by erratic pressures. And we see the uh, rocket containing jarl and Lara hurling off in one direction as Krylo goes a different one. Nor till 15 years had passed and I was accidentally found by Zonar did I realize that the outer heat-resistant alloy shield had been irradiated by deadly K. That's kryptonite, damn it. Following my pre-recorded, uh, no, your recorded instructions, Zonar, clad in a lead-sheathed spacesuit, brought me in through an airlock and revived me. And this is awesome. We get a flashback inside a flashback. <laughs> then, casting my lethal casket adrift, he lifted his shielding face mask and he says, Do you recognize me, Dr. Krylo? And Krylo says, You, you have aged, but aren't you? And the guy says, Yes, I am, or was, Professor Kazor, a fellow member of our now defunct Council of Science. Uh, actually... It says silence instead of science i wonder if that's a misprint in this but i just now caught that council you know what i need to flip back i am so curious now okay earlier in the story when uh krylo began his uh little recap here he did say council of science so i didn't misread it so evidently Kazor didn't even know what the hell the council was called that uh he sat in on anyway he does call it council of silence here i get a kick out of that council of silence on krypton i now call myself zonar a man without a world a lonely space wander why uh, why Why are you calling it? i would love the explanation to this maybe zonar in kryptonese means like Lonely dude without a planet or something. I don't know. There's no explanation given whatsoever why he would change his name from Kazor to Zonar. But anyway, I'm gonna you know I'm I'm good with a gag. So, of course, Doctor krylo wants to know. Okay, so how what's the story here? How did you get here? This is where we get the awesome flashback within a flashback, and he is now the floaty head telling the story. And he says, "Before Krypton exploded, I pref- uh." He says, Professor Val Arn and I believing jor theory. There's another guy, another two guys that believe jor I mean, this council is only so big, right? It's only like 12 guys. So this is like a, a fourth of the of the council believed jor Anyway. So it's built a large escape rocket patterned after the prototype later used in sending baby Kal-El to Earth. So they, they knew that Okay, maybe I'm injecting a little bit too much Superman the movie into this. But I always thought that Jor-El kept all this shit on the down low. You know, that other people didn't really know about his plan with the rocket and all that. But again, I could be injecting too much uh, Superman the movie. You know, he he could he was threatened with getting into trouble in that movie. You know, if, if he tried to leave the planet. So anyway, the fatal day comes. And uh, uh, what's his name? k <laughs> and Valarn Show, it shows them uh, trying to run to their rocket ship. Valarn doesn't make it. He actually falls off the ladder to his death. He's going, "Ugh!" as he falls into the crevice. It's pretty cool. So now we're all caught up. And Superboy says, Then he never told you of the true role he played in Krypton's last days. I read it in my father's journal, found floating in space. Oh, for Christ's sake. And Krylo says, No, Superboy, I didn't learn uh, that until later, after I accepted him as my friend and revealed to him that jor and Lara were also somewhere in space, in the same state he found me in. We go back into the flashback, and Zonar is saying, You say, Krylo, their transmission is due to start soon, and their first words will be, Calling kal calling kal we are your parents, jor and Lara. <laughs> and Krylo, he's, his eyes are wide, and he's all excited. He says, Yes, yes, can we save them? And Zonar says... It would be fruitless to search for them in this vastness, but we can use their message as a fix to beam in on. And Krylo is pumping his fist in the air and he says, And we will all be joined, Krypton's only survivors, together again to build a new civilization. Um may I point out that there's only one woman and she kinda married, so I'm not sure how that plan's gonna work out. Anyway, after tense waiting, those first wonderful words started coming through Colin Callel, Colin Kellel, and Krylo. He's, he just looks so excited. In his face. He's got a great big grin on his face. He says, It's them, it's working. And, <laughs> and Sonar says, Yes, quite beautifully. I've already got a positive coordinate. And as we approach that wondrous site, despite its ugly green halo, and we see the message continuing to play, but all of a sudden, we see this this zapper beam fire out of the front of Zonar's ship and Krylo says Zonar what are you doing? And <laughs> Zonar says I'm creating solar disturbances by nuclear bombardment to mask uh, to mask off the remaining message by static interference. But but why? Because the beginning is all I want Kal-El Superboy to hear. Only if he thinks his parents are alive can we lure him here. And then once again we're back out of the flashback and back into what's going on. It's still Superboy and Krylo hanging in space, just chit-chatting with each other by telepathy. You know, just, just another normal day. <laughs> and Krylo says, and then the horrible realization of his diabolical treachery dawned on me. Only then did I learn what his true role on Krypton had been. Um, unfortunately, we no- we don't ever get this story. It never tells anything more about what Kry... Uh... Uh... Pfft zonar's uh true role on krypton would would have been no idea i'm gonna have to look this guy up and see if i can find anything else on him because now i gotta know what's the story with this superboy says as i could have told you after reading jor-el's last words." so hopefully this will all be wrapped up in that other story that uh that was referred to before i'm gonna have to find out about that anyway oh my god back into the flashback again (laughs) and and, uh, Zonar is holding Krylo at gunpoint. And he says, yes, Krylo, I intend to destroy them all forever. I owe it to them. And then we get another flashback within the flashback. I love flashbacks within flashbacks. He says, when jor discovered we were using him for a future takeover of Earth as Superman. Now, who is we? Is that him and this other dude, the val he says he thwarted our plans and had us imprisoned. But his uh, diagnosis of Krypton's fatal illness was our salvation, at least mine. The final death throes brought, our, brought us our freedom, the rest you know. And then it's back to just the flashback. Not the flashback within the flashback, just the flashback. As Zonar's fist is clenched and he says, I vowed eternal vengeance to hunt down and destroy the last vestiges of the Jor-El family line. As they had destroyed my future. I'm thinking, nah, I'm failing to understand exactly what this guy's main bitch is here. Alright, he got locked up in prison, but then when the planet was destroying itself, he got released. He got into a rocket ship. His poor buddy fell off the ladder and died, unfortunately. But, you know, he's still out here in space. He's still alive. He could still go to Earth and be a Superman and take over the friggin' planet if he wanted to. What exactly is his bitch? He's wasting a lot of time trying to get a revenge on Jor-El and Lara and Superboy that he didn't really need to have. He could still follow through with his plan. Is he really just pissed because Val Arn's dead? I don't know. Continuing, we got, uh, oh my God, too many characters, too many flashbacks. We got Dr. Krylo saying, then Zonar divulged the full evil of his plan. <laughs> and uh, Zonar just looks awesome in this. I love his bowl cut, by the way. He says, for years, I have seeded the universe with disguised hyper nuclear space mines. That sounds really heavy. He says, uh, guidance controlled and both remote triggered and contact types. This guy has really thought out his revenge plan against Superboy. He says, but I knew uh, these alone could not harm Superboy. However, with the arrival of his parents' K radiating tomb, I can blast him directly into its lethal core and he will perish miserably. What a bastard. So, back to reality for one panel and Supervisor says, "Then that explains the interrupted transmission and the rigged asteroids. But how did you achieve the superpowers you now have, Krylo?" And Krylo says, "Well, under Zonar's gun, I writhed in frustration, anger, helpless to prevent what was going to happen to you." Back into the flashback, we see that while he's sitting helpless watching uh, Zonar Uh, perfect his little scheme that he clutched the the arm the seat of the of the chair he was sitting in and crushed it in his hand so when the asteroid started to explode and and hurl superboy toward his doom krylo just suddenly decides well i think i got superpowers so he knocks himself through the uh, side of uh of zonar's ship and heads out and that's where we saw him rescue superboy so his little theory of how this worked he says i can only make an educated guess superboy during my long years in my drifting tomb i must have come under the influence of many yellow suns as you did on earth with its super hot sun this gave me the same attributes you possess and the same weaknesses superboy says i understand our vulnerability to kryptonite radiation thank god he used the word kryptonite for a change i like that So while they've been talking in these last couple of panels, they've actually been moving quietly through space, and they now come into Earth's atmosphere. And Krylo asks him, he says, but despite this barrier, we must rescue your parents. But how? Superboy has a plan. He says, we need an ally, one not subject to K-radiation. There is such a person on Earth. If I dare ask him to risk a sacrifice greater than any man should bear. And who is this remarkable person, asked Dr. Krylo. Moments later, they are in the Kent house. And Superboy is standing before Jonathan Kent, his adopted father. He says, Dr. Krylo, I want you to meet the most wonderful man in the universe. (laughs) Outside of my true parent. And I'm thinking that has got to be the worst backhand compliment I think I've ever heard. This guy here, he's the coolest guy in the whole world, except for my real dad, you know. I mean, he's actually the real coolest. Oh, my God. But, you know, if he catches it, he doesn't make a big deal about it. Jonathan Kent, he's dropping his newspaper. He's standing up out of his chair and he says, Superboy, this is not Jor-El. You gave his name as, and then we just get the next panel where, uh, He's all confused, and Superboy's trying to clear things up. And he lays out the whole story to Jonathan Kent. Jonathan Kent, again, looking very, very much like Ronald Reagan, says, of course, I will do anything, anything to help you, but let's not wake your ma. Uh, She's sleeping. Let's Let's just kind of let sleeping dogs lie, all right? And then he wants to know, but how can I, a mortal? And Superboy says, I already anticipated that, Dad. Now listen, he lays out the whole plan. So we flip to the next page, and the next panel And this is a great shot. They're leaving Earth atmosphere. They're passing the moon. And it's Superboy and Dr. Krylo. And between them, they have a space-suited Jonathan Kent. Space-suited Jonathan Kent. I want that action figure. And I want it like yesterday, goddammit. And Superboy is carrying this giant... It looks like one of those giant spools you see sitting side the road sometimes. You know, like where they're stringing up new telephone cable or something this great spool of wire he's carrying out into space i think peter parker used to use one of these things as a table in his apartment maybe it's the same one i have no idea and (laughs) they're communicating i don't know how telepathy i guess and he says you understand dad your retro jet pack has enough power to get you to the capsule and when we arrive outside the k zone and he says yes and i attach the cable so you can tow the capsule back to earth from a safe distance so they get to their destination And Jonathan Kent, he's eager to go in. He says, in I go. You hold on to the cable end from here. He says, good luck, pal. Uh, I thought he said pal. He says, pa, good luck, pa. Wish I could be with you. So he goes in and uh, Superboy says to Krylo, this is a team play, Krylo. We've got to protect him. And Krylo agrees. He says, from a threat as dangerous as Kryptonite is to us, Zonar, make no mistake, he will try for you again. We must be on constant alert. See, I kind of thought they maybe just forgot about this guy. I almost forgot about it. Because after Krylo snatched him up and then laid out his whole story and everything, we didn't really get anything more from Krylos, Or, I mean, uh, Zonar. So, you know, are we going to see him again? Let's find out. So, Jonathan Kent, he floats into uh, where Jarl and Law are uh, in their rocket and he's uh, tying the cable around the rocket ship. He says, An awesome sight. Imagine I'm the first Earthman to view my son's true parents. But then suddenly, from out of nowhere, a ray zaps down and it snaps the lifeline. And Superboy, we see him actually flying back. He says, Great galaxy's paw has been cut adrift. So now what the hell are they going to do? Turning the page, Superboy says, that diabolical criminal, he wasn't trying to hit me, but cut Paul loose. He knows if I try to rescue him, I'll die of K-poisoning. And if I didn't, they'll all drift through space forever. My space tomb, or excuse me, the space tomb of my parents and my foster father, all I hold dear. It's getting exciting. I like this story. So, it says <laughs> blacked out and evilly watching the macabre... Uh, tableau from a safe distance we see zonar and he looks absolutely maniacal he's got this great big grin on his face he's so happy he thinks he's triumphed he says ha i am triumphant he has no other choice he has to plunge to his doom well no not necessarily he could just say well all right i guess and head home but he doesn't he's thinking about what he's going to do when suddenly before superboy's horrified eyes a figure streaks past him and dives into the deadly devouring aura of kryptonite radiance and who is it it's dr krylo and he says it's the least i can do superboy to atone for killing your parents better that better i than you and inside the ship we've got zonar and he's pounding his fist on the glass and he's going krylo he thwarted me again but I can't be, mustn't be, Superboy must join. He's pissed. Now, I would imagine this dude's from Krypton too, so he should be super powerful as well, right? Right? I, God, I don't know. So instead of going outside and you know trying to fight these guys or anything like that, instead, what does he decide to do? His big clever plan? He's going to use his ship to push Superboy into the deadly kryptonite radiation field. All that really pretty much does is piss Superboy off. So Superboy grabs the front of the spaceship and this is awesome. It's just like that scene in Superman 4. He grabs the front of the spaceship, he starts whirling it around, but instead of throwing it into the sun, he just throws it right the hell out of our galaxy. Or that's his intention anyway. But instead, he wasn't reckoning on the fact that uh this Zonar dude, he's been busy. For the last 15 years, or so we're told, since it's been since Krypton blew up, he's been doing pretty much nothing but seeding the universe with these uh, nuclear-powered asteroid thingies of his. Superboy unintentionally tosses him right into one of them. Kablooey. That is the end, supposedly, anyway, of Zonar. Now, wait a minute. I just want to point out something. This guy's a Kryptonian. Now, Superboy had these things blow up like right all around him didn't kill him just hurled him into the the kryptonite radiation field so is this guy really dead i don't know again i'm gonna have to do my homework on this but Superboy thinks he's dead which i think is very important this is a 15 year old Superboy. uh what happened to the whole you know i will announce my powers if i ever kill anybody thing he really does think he killed him too because he says he's holding his 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 hands to his face his eyes to his face and he says or he goes, even though he deserved it. I didn't intend it to happen, but he pretty quickly forgets about this. He says, "But Krylo, I must help him somehow." Where are they? And he turns back around, and he pretty much puts zonar right out of his mind. He says quickly scanning the dark heavens, the frantic lad spots his objective far away. He says he's moving them toward Earth. Krylo's still alive, and he uses his telescopic vision, and he zeroes in, and sure enough. There's uh, Jonathan Kent holding on for dear life with his uh, broken tether uh, still within the, the kryptonite radiation field. And Dr. Krylo, who's got to be getting a pretty good uh, dousing of uh, kryptonite radiation, he's just pushing away for all he's worth. And uh, Superboy thinks to himself, he, he's weaking inexorably, which is why I can catch up. And as Superboy comes alongside, out of range of the deadly radiation pattern, Krylo uses his last vestige of draining strength and he throws the lifeline to Superboy and he says, Here, Kel, I'll catch. The race is over for me. I'm passing the wand to you. you. You must carry on for all of us. And that's pretty much the end of Dr. Milo. He slowly begins to drift away, but his last words are, Thanks, Superboy, for this final chance to redeem myself. And we've got superboy towing uh now holding on to the lifeline he's towing jonathan kent who's holding onto the spaceship so he's towing the Mac to Earth, and he's thinking to himself too late to save him and i must get pa kent back before his o- oxygen supply runs out goodbye krylo you've done more for me than you'll ever know and uh I hate to be nitpicky, but Superboy, he's a hell of a lot closer to that rocket now than he was in the very beginning of the story where he said he was beginning to feel the effects of uh, the kryptonite radiation and shouldn't get any closer. Sorry, but I just got to point these things out. So they streak earthward toward, it just says, toward his polar, quote unquote, cave of silence. What is this cave of silence thing? Is this like a precursor to the Fortress of Solitude? I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up as well. I'm very curious about this. But it does say as Polar Cave of Silence. It's very interesting. I need to find out more about this. I don't remember this particular element in, uh, in Superboy Tales. So he brings the rocket down and they fly into this, uh, this steel tunnel. They make their lead lined It says lead lined tunnel used for examination of kryptonite samples from outer space. And he brings it. that's because he finds so much shit from krypton floating out in outer space all the time. So he brings it down, and they land, and Superboy is watching from behind a, uh, a lead shield. Kind of like what they use for like when they take your x-rays at the doctor's office. It's pretty cool. He's standing behind these things. He's giving instructions to Pa Kent, and he actually says, Pa Kent, which is just awkward. That'd be like my, my me calling my dad, hey, Dad Gardner. That's kind of just awkward, but that's what he calls him. He says, Pa Kent. He says, open the capsule. Look for revival instructions inside, and... Paul Kent, he starts to open it up, but then he says, Great heavens, the heat of entry fused the lock shut. Okay, I can buy that, except Jonathan Kent was wearing just a spacesuit, So if the heat was enough in the reentry to fuse the rocket shut, how the hell did he survive? Uh, you just can't think about these things. So Superboy says, And I can't use my heat vision through this lead shield to melt an opening. He says, but the nose cone is made of heat-resistant ceramic. It shouldn't be fused. Try turning it." And so Jonathan Kent, there is a nice convenient little uh, slit in the front of the nose cone where he can slide his uh, crowbar into. And now that I look at this, this picture is uncomfortably phallic. So I'm going to move along very quickly and the cap screws off and we hear the rest of the recorded message or more of it actually. And as the nose cone falls onto the floor, Superboy says, Dad, you activated the pre-recorded... No, goddammit, it's recorded message. Not a pre-recorded message. He says, And it switched over from transmit to direct amplification. Whatever that means. <laughs> and uh, Pa Kent says, Maybe it'll give us a clue. Superboy says, But that's where the broadcast was interrupted by Zonar's static barrage. And we get the rest of jor message, which is... We will have been dead for over 15 years. Listen carefully, uh, dear Kal-El, our son. Our dear Krypton is about to explode. Dr. Krylo, a leading Kryptonian cryologist, has just come to us with a strange proposal. And Superboy says, just as Krylo told me. He does not know why we cannot agree to it, but we can tell you now. When I, Jor-El, made my final full depth probe into the core of our boiling planet using my atomic powered mole to verify the impending disaster i was unknowingly bombarded by the ever-growing kryptonite radiation a fact i did not ascertain till later arriving back at the surface with the aura of death fresh around me my dear fretful wife embraced me in thankfulness of my safety our contaminated, uh, our contamination aura wore off rapidly. So we did not infect you kal but the damage was done. We were doomed, doomed to die slowly, miserably of K radiation poisoning. And this story is, is beautifully illustrated in these panels as Superboy is listening to the story. He has tears running down his face. We see a great shot. Of Jarl actually in the interior of Krypton, with explosions going off and this big mole miner driller thing behind him, and a really nice panel of uh, Baby Kal-el like innocently playing in the background while Jarl is holding up a beaker that looks like it has blood in it, and, and Lara is crying, and you can just imagine this is the moment where they they realize that they're doomed, doomed to die of this uh, radiation poisoning. Next panel, we see Superboy with his his head hung and he's got tears running on his face as uh, Jonathan Kent is trying to support his son and he's got his hands on his shoulders and they're both listening to the rest of the message, which is, so we will also, uh, we will be almost grateful for the sudden painless death our planet Krypton now offers as uh, long as you are safely away. Therefore, we beg of you, if dr krylo should achieve his aims despite our refusal and refusal and we're found lifeless that's quite a bit of predicting you know he he's basically saying if uh krylo should happen to shoot us in the back and send us out into into space after all which is pretty much what happened joral says do not we repeat do not restore us to life and the lingering horrible years that will surely follow be brave son we will love, uh, we will live forever through you. And so, in the last panel, we see uh, Superboy, and once again, space-suited Jonathan Kent, are returning to Earth. And in the background, we see the uh, Kryptonite rocket drifting away from Planet Earth, off into space. And Superboy, looking very sad, says, "Is what they wish, Dad." and now i and i still have you and ma, ma kent i just the way i read that is almost like well you know i guess i still got you guys you know it's they're, they're the the consolation prize in this story and jonathan kent gets the last words he says but it must be kept uh, our dead dark secret the world must never know even if they did son they'd never understand it's sadder but wiser this way and that's the end of the story as i said it's one of those you just walk away from going wow really and uh where it fits in the superman story and the superman legend you tell me because it really it really doesn't fit at all but there's something i i can't Put it into words. I, I, I can't identify it. There's something about the story that really appeals to me. I like it. Now, granted, I liked it a lot more when I was a kid. It's, it's one of those things, again, you know, it, you always run that risk when you get older and you look back on stuff like this that really was, for all intents and purposes, it was written for children. And I thrilled to this story as a kid. I still enjoy it very much now. But it is hard to look at it and, and not see some of the the weirder, wackier nonsensical elements of the story but i i do still like it a lot it does still have kind of that that tragic feel and you can almost you know when you get to that last panel of of superboy and uh space suited jonathan kent returning to earth and in the background jor and Lara's rocket is is drifting off you know i can definitely hear music like from the end of an old creepy star trek episode like charlie x or something playing in the background it just has that kind of feel for me. It's that kind of a story. But this also very much to me... I mean, you you could use this as Exhibit A of something I remember John, uh, John Byrne saying about what he didn't like about pre-crisis Superman, particularly Superboy, was that he felt that every time superman or superboy said things like great krypton or great Rao," or you know went to consult something to do with krypton or whatever that he was basically spitting in pa kent's eye i don't know that i would go that far but i definitely understand what Byrne is saying I, I definitely uh see that side of it that you know these people raised him you know, they 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 brought him into their home and and raised him as their own son and everything, and and instilled in him really all the virtues and and the things that made him who he was, gave him his moral center, and and just raised him right a, as a good human being. Yet throughout this story, he kind of throws them over for Jarell and Lara, who are, are really little more than ghosts from the past to him. He even goes so far at one point to, you know, when he's enraged and, and at first starts to strangle Krylo when he, when he stops himself, he even says the noble motives inculcated in me by this very same two people, you know, no, he was an infant when he was sent away from Krypton. He, he hadn't been instilled with much of anything. I mean, granted, you know, it's a nice sentiment, and I'd, I'd like to believe that, you know, if Jarl and Lara were, were decent, hardworking, you know, upstanding, salt-of-the-earth folks, and he came to Earth and had really no other influence or whatever, that maybe he would still grow up to be a, a good, you know, upstanding person. But who the hell knows? I mean, it's it's really the upbringing he actually had more than, you know, it, it's the nature versus, versus nurture argument, isn't it? So, really, it's it's the end of the story too that reinforces this. Where again, and 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 it's maybe it's just me, and I and I was being kind of jokey about it, but at the same rate, there, there's some serious in it too. This aspect of at the end of the story where he's where Superboy's hauling Pa Kent back to Earth, and he says, "And I still have you and Ma Kent." It's like it really does sound like. A consolation prize. So, I don't know ultimately what my point is, other than it, it does bother me a bit that Superboy acts and and I guess feels this way, but also I guess it bugs me a little bit that Jonathan and and Martha never really, at least in this particular story, never really come right out and say anything like, well, you know, we're your parents. We're the people that re- they I don't really recall ever reading a story like that with Superman where where the Kents ever seemed to like get angry or defensive or jealous that Superboy spent so much time um, doing things with the with the Kryptonian side of his nature. You know, I mean, sure, they wouldn't want to deny him his heritage or anything like that, but at the same rate. I could easily see where you know especially if you wanted to lend a little bit a little bit more say quote-unquote realism to the story where you know it might bother them that uh that he was looking you know for lack of a better way to put it looking backward rather than looking forward i guess i would say or that that he seemed more hung up on on the kryptonian stuff than than identifying with them and and earth things as as his parents it's one of the things i actually liked a lot again uh, about the burn version you know the the very end of the man of steel origin by burn has superman basically saying that you know yeah it's it's all well and good that that jor-el left me this kryptonian legacy that you know I, i know everything he knew about krypton Yet at the end of the day, what does it really matter? I think of myself as an Earth person. I was born here. I was raised here. You know, that's who I am. I'm I'm an Earth man. You know, by by genetics and by heritage, you know, I come from Krypton. But I think of myself as as an Earth person. I like that a lot. I I think that that's. Uh, not to get on some sort of political soapbox or anything, but I think that that kind of ties into Superman as the ultimate immigrant because years ago, you know, when immigrants would come to America from other countries, you know, nobody was asking them to abandon their heritage or, or, you know, forget where they came from. But at the same rate, people came here to, to forge a better life and they were proud to integrate and be Americans that's kind of how I see Superman. So all this stuff with constantly hailing back to Krypton and everything, I can see where that would bug burn. Again, you know, he himself being an immigrant. So I don't know. It's I think that this as I say, it's it's an interesting story. It's a story that every time I look at it, not only do I get really nostalgic i I, you know i love the action i love the art and the story but it's one of those that really it makes me think walking away from the end of the story it's it's definitely one of those that i just it it sticks with me afterwards it's a it's a definite like hmm issue where i have to think about the questions that it raises and and the way it makes me feel about it as a superman story especially a superman story that (laughs) wow does it not fit anywhere and even the loosest continuity um so for that uh for that reason that's why uh, i would identify it as a uh it's an oddity i guess would be the best way to put it but i do like the story a lot i hope you guys uh enjoyed my little uh telling of it as well definitely write in let me know what you thought of the story yourselves particularly if you've read this issue if you're familiar with the story if you if you've read the issue you own the issue i'd really like to get your thoughts on it as well do you like it do you hate it are you indifferent to it you know what kind of issues does it bring up for you that sort of thing but uh i got a kick out of it i enjoyed it very much what's coming next episode not a freaking clue I did have a plan which was to start diving into some coverage of um, that Phantom Zone trade um, but now I'm not certain as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode now that I have this idea about uh, the uh, the deaths of Superman kind of idea um, I'm going to partner with, uh, with Jeff and Mike and see what, uh, what we might be able to work out in, in an aspect of that so at the moment not a clue what next episode might, might hold so at the moment it's just as much a mystery to me as it will be to you but uh we'll have something coming along but that's it for this week folks be sure to visit our website at www.2truefreaks.libson.com for more exciting podcasts featuring me and mike and chris honeywell and hope mullinex and luke giaconetti as well as several other uh, sad, and pathetic human beings who have nothing better to do with their time. Join our forum at www.forumforgeeks.com where you can comment on this show and all of our shows. You can interact with us, with me, with fellow listeners. We've got a really good community over there of friendly folks, and we really want you to be a part of it. As always, you can send feedback to this episode at back to the bins at gmail.com. And of course, I am on Facebook, so you can uh, you can message me there and I will be happy to friend you. Speaking of Facebook, if you like the show, please 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 mention something on Facebook or on the social networking site of your choice when you're listening to the show so that others know that you are listening to the show because word of mouth is still the best way to let other people know about this show, about Two True Freaks, the Bins, Tales of the USA, whatever you're listening to. Tweet about it. Put things on Facebook, on Google+, whatever. Let other people know. Help grow the listenership of your favorite podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for downloading. And be sure to come back next time for more of I've Got a Few Things to Say about Superman. Take care, folks. Be well. the second Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com